The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Street and now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback, Nick Harris, John Mashoda, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a Wednesday edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys as week two is here. The Dallas Cowboys and the New York Jets on tap for Sunday afternoon, 325 kick. And today we preview the Dallas defensive matchup with John Machota, Nick Harris, Isaiah Stanback, Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Swell. That was good. I doing good. Bring the energy today. Bring oh, the energy. Wednesday. Oh, Come on. always. Did you use your black rifle coffee this morning? <laughs> I did not. I haven't either, I just honestly. Got sleep last Still need my RTD. You I did? Had re- I had to rebound from sleep from coming in off two hours on Monday and then. You're still you know, recovering? Yeah, recovery yesterday. Yeah, you like that I'm sometimes. back. Today there, was a, back. A, there was a part of me, though, when that, when that media schedule came out. They're moving today's stuff to the afternoon because they treat, I guess, the Sunday night game. Uh, Mike McCarthy wants to give them like extra time, I guess. I don't know to rest or whatever, but like Wednesday stuff is way later. Normally we'll do the show, then we'll go McCarthy, locker room, practice, all that stuff. But now it's Mike McCarthy isn't going until like, I don't know, 3 30. And yeah. yeah, so. Because of that, I was kind of thrown off. I'm thinking, oh, I don't have to be out there until 3.30. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a show in the morning. You got a, you got a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're happy you're here, so that's yeah, good. Uh, but, yeah, a little bit of a break for the guys. And I think, I mean, 40 to nothing, you, you kind of deserve a little bit of a breather. And it's good to get back into the swing of things because these first three weeks, I've always said, and honestly, I learned this from Caden Gates, one of our producers, uh, my first season in this position. It takes about three weeks for everyone to fill into a rhythm. To, to kind of find their own footing and, and whether it's from a con- content standpoint or a production standpoint or of course a player standpoint it takes a little bit of time to get back into a full season's worth of rhythm and so I can only imagine the gentlemen that travel here that that makes things tougher for sure going back and forth but Isaiah's still waking up he's getting his co- black rifle coffee <laughs> this in was today. my sleeping day Kyle yeah was yeah, it I didn't have to wake up till six Ooh, okay <laughs> yeah, that's, awesome. that's right I, I could probably count on my hand how many times I've woken up at 6 this year. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm not the early. And when guy. you do, are you happy about that? He- heck no. No. Heck no. With us previewing the defensive side of the football, I have a fan question if you want to tweet it in. Coming in hot. Coming in hot with the fan questions today. Okay. Uh, let me find the text line and then I'll give you the fan question. But I'll send you guys a question first. Have the expectations changed on defense, has has it completely changed with the forty to nothing blanking that they did against the New York Giants on Sunday night? Have the expectations changed at all? Are they are they increased or do they stay right around the same of what you anticipated? That'd be a negative Ghost Rider. Um, I believe that the expectations are still the same. I think that my question marks re- revolving around this defense are still in place in terms of where the question marks actually laid, um, and obviously that's going to be in a running game, and obviously that will be tested. Um, to the extreme this week, I would assume, yeah. um, as long as uh, the Jets are not too far behind. Yeah, they haven't changed for me. I thought that this had the potential of being the best defense in the NFL, and they certainly played like that week one. So, uh, yeah, I agree with Isaiah. The run game, the way the game started, 
I give them a little bit of a pass just because you have a bunch of starters that didn't play in the preseason and they were getting gashed early on for about six yards of carry. You get warmed up. Yeah, and so if that carried on throughout the game, I think it would have been a little bit more of a, of a concern, but I was impressed with how Jonathan Hankins played I, I, and Anosa as well in the middle. So um, the other interesting part is just to see how guys like Bell and Wanye Tom, some of the safeties coming up playing linebacker, how they hold up against the run, and they did a good job. Uh, Sunday night, but yeah, no, expectations have not changed for me. I'm the same. Expectations are still the same for me because when we came into the season, we expected them to be great, and that's what they gave us in week one. I don't think we're going to get the level of that greatness week in and week out, but it's something I've been kind of thinking about the last couple of days, you know, what would be a disappointing effort, uh, you know, game by game for this defense? And I think back to the Houston game last year. I think back mm-hmm. to the Jacksonville game last year, or even Green Bay in the second half. And what were the um, the causes of all those effects, it was lack of depth, and they had that depth now, whether that be in the secondary, whether that be on the defensive line, second level, whatever. They have those pieces now. So uh, fully, my expectation is for them not to have a lapse like they had like last year multi- on multiple occasions. Like, sure, over a 17-game season, you're going to have a bad day. That will happen. But when it happens three, four games in a row, then you know that, that's when it gets a little worrisome to me. That's my expectation, is that yeah. that does not happen on a week-to-week basis. And we, haven't, we didn't see that week once, so <laughs> we yeah. saw the, I think we saw the greatest of what this product could look in week one. Yeah, does that – I feel like that's kind of the, the reasoning behind the question, though. If that's the yeah. greatest, if that's the peak of what this product could look like, then is there that much of a gap to where the expectations do change a little bit moving forward, or do you expect more? There's like an echelon. It's hard, right? it's hard to really push for more, right? Yeah, there's like an echelon. And, like, they were up here, and they still could be here if they wanted to be. You yeah. know, like, it's still like this gap of expectation that I have for them personally at least. Was there was there any weak spot on the defense? Was there anybody that or any position group that you looked at and you said, okay, they did not play their best game. They did not go – uh, at least to that upper echelon that you're talking about. I guess we talked about Damone Clark yesterday, and, and that kind of had to do with on the first drive, the running game, kind of being able to pick up those five, six yards of carry. And, you know, I'd like to see that second level be a little bit more improved from from that, from that last week, but I would still give that grade pretty dang good. You yeah. know, I, I feel like the defense overall really executed, but if I was nitpicking, then maybe the second level. What yeah, think? I mean, I think it would be nitpicking to say any of those groups. I mean, sure. this is the NFL. I understand it's four to nothing, and, and people just think that you can look back at the game and go, oh, I don't know about that play. Ugh, that one right there, I think Trayvon could have been better. Like, what are we doing here? It's four to nothing. Like, sure. Do that every week. Start out, give up six yards of run on that first series, and play the rest of the game like that, and you'll be remembered like, you know, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, whatever, Legion of Boom, Seahawks, whatever you want to do there. They yeah. will be, it won't be best defense of this season in the NFL, it'll be one of the like iconic great defenses if you continue to play like that. Yeah. That's we, a lot to ask for. We though. didn't talk about the nickname. We had the whole conversation last year revolving around the nickname, and yeah. Mike, Micah just squashed everything. Yeah. Yeah, just Doomsday, right? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Legion of Doomsday. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what ended up. I think last year well, our our winner was Legion of Boomsday. Yeah, for the nickname. I think Micah just ended all that. Yeah, it's the yeah. Legion of Doomsday. That's okay. what it it's is. Official. It's different. Legion of Doom. I don't think anybody's gonna argue with him. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'll take it. I'll take it. So you you wrong, Micah. <laughs> it would look great on a shirt. Yeah. It, it, it's going to. I'm, it's, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure it's already, it's already in the there. Works. Yeah. As already soon as he said it, it was like, okay, into print. <laughs> so okay. So then on the opposite side of that question, if if we don't want to nitpick, let's let's nitpick in a good way. Which, okay. Which unit impressed you the most in that matchup, and how can they continue that against the Jets in Week Two? Was it the pass rush, the secondary? 
corner, safety. The unit that impressed me the most. We're talking about just defense? Yeah, it's like giving a player the game. It's hard to do. The smelly stickers were tough this week. I honestly, I mean, this I is mean, going to sound really bad. I, was, I'm, I wasn't impressed. It was, it was an expectation for me. Hmm. Seven sacks? Yes. Oh. Okay. For yeah, any yeah. team that gets behind? Yeah. Yes. We, we talked about the possibility yeah. of hitting 70 sacks or yeah. whatever the, I mean, the number was. I know I probably sound yeah, like a, a like jerk when games. I say that. But <laughs> that's so true. They're, they're well on track. They're well on track. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly, for me, that was the expectation. Yeah. For, any, for a team that is offensively built, that's built offensively like the Giants are, okay, that's predicated primarily on the run. If you get behind and you're unable to run, that's what I expect. That's what I expect. Honestly, that's truly what I expected. That's why I was un- I was unamused when I was watching the game. I was like, just, oh, oh, there goes another one. Oh, there goes somebody else. Cool. All right. Did you watch the sounds of the sideline this week? I didn't see it. Oh, you got to watch it. It's, it's really stuff. good. Yeah, it it was fun. It yeah. was fun. Oh, so Diggy Zoo was on the sideline, and he's, going, he's, he's pulling the, the Oprah uh, <laughs> saying. He's like, you get a sack. You get a sack. Yeah, he stole my. He goes, he goes look under your seat, and everybody would receive a sack. Like It's just like a whole thing. <laughs> Go awesome. check it out. Alex Lilly did a great job, as always. Seven sacks times seventeen oh is one hundred and nineteen. I did. I just crazy. did that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 no, you didn't do it in your head. Up here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say for me, it's that hybrid linebacker safety group that included Bell, Wanye mm-hmm. Thomas. I get it. They look good in training camp. They yeah. look good in, in the preseason. It's another for week one to step in the way they did. I mean, there were some plays that Bell made that he looked like he'd been playing, like he is a, a full time starting NFL linebacker that. That's I just impressed me. Like I expected him to get in and have a role. I didn't think he would make as many plays that he did, and now it makes me look at their linebacker group a lot different than I did when they originally cut it down to fifty-three. You know, you see Overshown go down, you thinking, uh, man, that's probably a weak spot right there. But man, if they can get that production for those guys going forward, they'll be fine at linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I I would give it to the pass rush group. Um, just, just because of the dominance that they had from the very get-go and being able to just overwhelm the right side of that offensive line. I know we talked about it the last mm-hmm. couple of days, but that was just unreal. I liked your Nick at night, by the way. Thank the, you. The, the column that you just put on DallasCowboys.com kind of spoke to what John's talking about, about that depth. It doesn't matter how the role players got here, but they're here now, and you yeah. got to take advantage of them. Kind of go through your, your, I guess, inspiration to, to write that that piece in the way that you did because it it, it did it, it outlined exactly how a game like that happens because you need it from all three phases you need it from every guy on the roster you need it from your depth and I think the depth was just as impressive as some of the starting players and as some of the superstars were in that game yeah it was more so uh, thinking back to the offseason whenever you know somebody made the 53 cut or somebody was traded for in Igbenogany's case or um, you know an acquisition was made and it's you know Twitter being Twitter and it's like who's this guy why does this matter uh, you know screw that screw this and I, all those guys that would be quote unquote forgotten or not cared about when they're acquired, those were the guys that set the tone on Sunday. It was, um, you know, it was Wanye Thomas coming and blocking the field goal. It was Noah Igbenogany running it down the sideline. Um, you know, when Deron Bland was drafted, you know, probably people didn't give a give a damn about that. And mm-hmm. then he's the one that gets to pick six. So. It, it was a lot of those guys setting the tone, and you know, it was basically like you know, it, don't it shouldn't matter how they get here; they're here now, and, and they're performing now. So the other thing that's, I like that's about what it was about. The other thing I like about that is that I mean, just from my perspective of covering the Dallas Cowboys, there's probably too much focus on the stars. Like that is generally, you know, you're playing the hits when you when you cover this team. You're mm-hmm. that, and nationally, that's what's being talked about all the time and stuff. So when you see some of these 
players that aren't talked about as much because even like undrafted guys fifth round picks stuff like that i'm even going to include somebody like a dante fowler that you kind of sometimes forget like how many times yeah. are you sitting there talking about like oh dante fowler this dante fowler that during like training camp and he kind of goes under the radar and then you just watch the way he plays in that game you forget like oh yeah you know i mean he's that's a really high round pick and or high high pick and um it just comes from some areas that you don't – I mean, you're expecting Micah. You know, you're expecting, you know, CD and Trayvon Diggs and Dak and, and, and stuff like that. But to see some of the guys that you mentioned right there throw in a, a Kevante Turpin. Kevante Turpin had three carries. He had three carries all of last season. He had uh, three receptions. I think he only had two last season. Yeah. So uh, the fact of, like, them getting him that involved, I'm, I don't think there's anybody that really expected that week one from Kevante Turpin. So. It was quick, the way that they were able to get him involved. The fact that Turpin was was utilized the way that he was. I mean, that's that's been an emphasis. That's been something that the coaching staff has talked about. But I, like you said, John, I don't think you expected it in week one like that. I like it. I like it. I mean, listen, Coach McCarthy, I believe that he not only possesses the knowledge and the wisdom, right, from his past experiences, but I also believe that he learns from Dan Quinn. Yeah, I think they learn from each other, and I think that's the relationship that they have. And to say that they don't would, would be ridiculous. Um, just because you're in a head coaching position doesn't mean that you can't pick up uh, insight from others. And I think that he, one thing by being around Dan Quinn that he's learned is put your players in a position to be successful, regardless of high how, how, how high caliber they are or not, right? So you talk about somebody like Turpin who – his sole purpose and sole job this this training camp was to earn the trust of the offense, earn the trust of those that are, you know, of Coach McCarthy and Schottenheimer, earn their trust that they can trust you as an offensive threat. And he did that in training camp, not in the preseason. Mm-hmm. He did it in training camp. And because he did it in training camp, and they saw it every day through and through, saw his ability to, to take the plays, apply the plays, do the assignments, all those things, now you've put yourself in a position to be utilized in a game like that outside of your position simply because of the fact that these coaches trust you. Um, so it just adds another threat. The guys are not – this roster, this team, on both on all three phases, regardless of what your position title is, they are going to put you in position to be successful. And I think that's the awesome thing about this team. And the other thing about the Turpin thing, going tying that in, there was a lot of things that he did that you can sit there and go, well, they can do some of the stuff with Deuce Vaughn too. You know, they never really had to get to the Deuce Vaughn part of anything because – they did late in the game, but obviously it was already over. But I'm talking about with, like, the ones mixing him in in certain situations, teams they're playing. And that stands out to me because of there's just been many times over the last couple of years where Mike McCarthy's talked about them being, like, a dome team, even mm-hmm. though, you know, they don't really play in a dome. It's technically indoor-outdoor type stadium. But they're built like that. They play on turf. They're, they're, they're built to, you know, have a fast team that mm-hmm. um, you could really take advantage of some of those those different things. And so to see that in that game, that was – that was pretty interesting because I, I was not expecting that type of usage from 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 Turpin. Not not in some meaningful uh, roles right away. I thought maybe it would grow to that, but yeah, that was that was I didn't expect that. And Turpin wasn't the only one that shined during training camp and no. the preseason and got their shot in Week One. I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum about Wanye Thomas. I think it's the best example of that. Marquise Bell is is in there too. But you also look at some of the other guys. I mean, Leighton Vanderesh and Micah Parsons. We were talking about that that set where Parsons is rushing the, as as the nose tackle. He's as the zero technique. Then you have Leighton Vanderesh coming off the edge. What happened? A pressure happened in that yep. uh, in that play whenever they pulled it out. And that's probably not the only time. You're 
you're going to see a look like that from Dan Quinn. He's going to mix it up a little bit. I charted it at least three times. In the yeah. game. I still need to go back and give it a full full in-depth chart, but it, I, it, during the game, I, I gave it three times. And I, I believe they were able to generate pressure in the backfield on two of those. So We talked about Osa. We talked about – and even from an offensive standpoint, I know this is the defensive preview, but from an offensive standpoint – we also talked about the iron sharpens iron a lot when we were in Oxnard about how facing this defense constantly is going to make you better. Talk about the offensive line and the way that they stood up yep. against a really good defensive front That's from nice. New York. Yep. And you have Chuma Adoga coming in, plugging in, not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but also doing his job the right way. It's probably because he was facing Micah Parsons and Osa Digizua and Jonathan Hankins and these guys that just flashed on Sunday Night Football. He was able to do that in practice and face them in practice every single day. Yeah, I know that's why I stayed away from that one because I know we're on defense today. But that was my vote for most impressive. Yeah. The offensive line. Didn't expect that level of performance against them. Okay. Yep. And there were definitely times in practice and training camp where those practices would have looked exactly like the Giants game did for the Cowboys <laughs> offense. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a thing where you can't hit Dak Prescott. You have to run by him. And so it allows him to do mm -hmm. a scramble drill and things like that where the play just doesn't stop. But there were many times out there where you were like, if this was a game, I mean, they would – Three and out, three and out, three and out. That's going to be one of my lasting impressions. If this defense turns into what you were talking about earlier, yeah. where they're compared to the 2000 Ravens, they're compared to the 80, 85 Bears and the Steelers of the 70s, if they're compared as an all-time great defense, one of my early lasting impressions is going to be Micah Parsons in the backfield, Osa Digizu in the backfield, Demarcus Lawrence in the backfield, almost every snap in Oxnard. And just to the point where it was like, all right, guys, we got to just take two steps and slow down just because the, we got to practice something on offense. We got to get a get a clean pass off. Dak's got to get some kind of read. That's what it'll look like, but that's what it looked like again in week one. So hopefully that continues going up against the Jets. But when we come back here on Talking Cowboys, how much of a threat are the Wilsons? Garrett and Zach, how much of a threat do they pose to this Dallas defense? And how can the Cowboys continue to get after the quarterback and, and try and slow down the mobile Zach Wilson? When we come back right after this on Talking Cowboys. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Black Rifle Coffee Company serves premium coffee to people who love America. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you are directly supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders in your community. Black Rifle's expert roasters love coffee almost as much as Texas loves football, so it makes sense that America's Coffee partnered with America's team. Go online at BlackRifleCoffee.com and fuel up with the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com to fuel up today. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys, and now he's on his phone on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? 
their doctor. My friend supported me during a tough time. But what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. This segment is brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, our fan question today, give us a text, 817-290-3298. Which unit has the biggest step up against the Jets in Week 2 versus what you saw in Week 1? Not necessarily who had the best game in Week 1 or who's going to have the best game in week two, but who sees the biggest improvement? We'll debate that in the third segment, but send us and a text on it. this is defense? Uh, no, this is both sides of the okay. ball. Yeah, both sides of the ball. 817-290-3298. I put it on Twitter as well. You can respond there uh, if if you don't want to text in. All right, Jets offensive preview. No Aaron Rodgers, of course. We're not going to really harp on that too much. He, he played four snaps for the Jets, goes down with an Achilles injury. He's out for the season in, in a significant amount of time. Hope the best for his recovery, and and the Jets are in a in a bind. I mean, it's kind of where it is. You you expected Zach Wilson as a top two pick to come in and, and at least show something. Now learning under Aaron Rodgers, one game down, and it looked like the the old Zach Wilson and the reason why they went and got Aaron Rodgers instead. But Nick, when you look at this Jets offense. Where are they still dangerous? Where can they still hurt the Cowboys? Run game. Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. That's going to be – Boom. They probably get 30 carries total between the two of them. Um, I believe they had uh, 28 uh, rushes on Monday night. So, uh, and, and that was changing the game plan up, you know, on off a whim. So, um, I, I think they're going to get a lot of run on, sun, on Sunday, um, especially w- wanting to test this Cowboys rush defense and see how improved it is from a year ago. Um, you could expect a lot of Brees Hall and a lot of Delvin Cook and probably a little bit of Michael Carter thrown in there too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Garrett Wilson's obviously scary, but I, I don't see how they would be building a game plan around throwing to Garrett Wilson over utilizing that run game. Averaging six yards a carry, the most of any team in that first week. Uh, you have a quarterback that is not great and he's going to be making you know his first road start of the season against a defensive line that I'm sure he's probably a little nervous about after watching or whenever he does watch the film uh, of the Giants game. I, I mean, if you if you don't watch football and you just look at stats, you'd look at and be like, well, his numbers aren't bad. They're pretty simple. Zach Wilson's numbers are pretty similar to what Dax were week one. But if you watch the game, you're not thinking that he's going to be the one that they're going to be building anything around. Yeah. It's going to be a we're going to try and establish the run. We're going to hope that that has the type of success that it had Monday night. And then off of that, maybe we can get some guys open and things like that. But just the fact of that defensive front and the the defensive backs that they can throw at Garrett Wilson, I would be very surprised if he had a big game. The so Garrett Wilson in that game against the against the the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to and cheat he's off great. Of the Don't get me wrong. Nothing yeah. against him. I mean, no, he's, he's, got he's fantastic potential. But then you you're, you're facing guys that aren't. Trayvon Diggs and, and Stephon Gilmore defensively. Yeah. I mean, you look at his numbers receiving wise, five catches, 34 yards. Alan Lazard was the most effective player as a wide receiver. I think he's, I still think he's an underrated 
player, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. he had the connection with Aaron Rodgers. He's a yeah. guy. Yeah, it, he still had 46 yards with Zach Wilson, but when still. you look at the team and you look at those receivers, you're, you, there's just a part of you where you're like, yeah, this could be real good with Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Sure. But that's with Aaron Rodgers. This yeah. is a significant step down. Correct. And so because of that, you know, it doesn't make it look nearly as daunting. Like with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Garrett Wilson might get 15, 20 touchdown catches. Yeah. You know, if Aaron Rodgers was to stay healthy for a full season. That's why he apologized to him. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah, you heard, you heard yeah, the yeah. interview. He said, sorry, kid. I mean, yeah. that was, he knew. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah tough. that But hurts. Garrett Wilson was already there. He's a dude, so, man. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was already there. I, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. But, I, but yeah. I was just going to say, but, so, yeah, you can say sorry to him, but, like, what about all the guys that joined oh, the yeah. Jets just because they were like, oh, Rodgers is here. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one. That, that, that's the one I thought of because yeah, I saw that thing too about him saying he was sorry. Yeah, Garrett something. was going to be there. Garrett regardless. was going to be there. He was probably <laughs> pumped when he saw that Rodgers was coming. But <laughs> yeah, that was a chance for him to to really take a step up. Where where can Zach Wilson still beat you though? I mean, that's the thing. Well, why hold on, let's, it's let's, an NFL game. I mean, we got to give him some flowers you, too. You watch you watch the draft stuff. What did you did. think about I'm him coming out of BYU? Like, did you? I wasn't super high. Okay. I, the reason I, I'm asking you this is because there were a lot of people pre-draft that yeah. were like, "This clearly, clearly one of the you know a top two three pick in the draft." And I was never. Never I don't know. You weren't on that bandwagon. Well, I gotta admit my bi- I gotta admit my biases. So okay. if I'm an NFL GM, I'm probably never gonna end up with Josh Allen, mm-hmm. um, for example, Carson Wentz. Yep. Because I am a I I lean towards the big schools like the Power Five type quarterbacks that I can see what they've done against the other top echelon of of talent so you, so, wouldn't, you wouldn't have picked a quarterback out of jackson state uh probably not <laughs> probably not but now Definitely when that quarterback does. shows you when a different jackson state quarterback shows you what they can do at colorado then yeah oh come on yeah it's the same yeah. dude it is the same dude. I'm just saying. That's just the way I look at it. I'm not saying I'd be a good GM. So. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> context is very important, and yeah. I, I'm with you there. So here's what I had in the 2021 draft. That's why my, I had, luggage, why my luggage bags are on Nike. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, would, I, I mean, I'd have bags. a lot of swings and misses. Don't get me wrong here. I had Zach Wilson as the 12th overall player. He was the third quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I had Lawrence number one. I had Justin Fields as the number three overall player in the draft. And then it was Wilson 12, Trey Lance 14. So that was where I had them all ranked. I had four first-round grades on quarterbacks. Wilson was a first-round grade, but he was a, like a low-end first-round grade. And I kind of I, I gave him a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a bump in terms of overall grade. Here's my scouting report: special arm talent with the ability to improvise when in trouble, buys times with his legs, and is able to make NFL-caliber throws to anywhere on the field. The con, though. Uh, only allowed a year of high-level production due to injury history in the past, head and shoulder, uh, was able to get away with some things against Group of Five competition that he would have no chance to get away with against NFL talent. Uh, the one-year wonder of the 2021 draft class, Wilson's 21 season was one for the books, 32 touchdowns, three interceptions, all career numbers and in fantastic fashion uh, in a Group of Five-only schedule, however. His first year in the league will be a tough adjustment, but he has the intangibles that an NFL quarterback needs. And I compared him to Baker Mayfield. So, <laughs> that, and I wasn't super high on Baker Mayfield either. If I'm being real, I didn't have the the, the detailed charts and the scouting reports at that point in time that I, I do now. I had you but, scout me. Oh, I don't think that you're alone on that one. I think yeah. that's one of the best things that 
Baker has going for him is that sure. he uses that chip on his shoulder because there's so many people that are like, this is the guy that went one? Like, yeah. they went one on, on here? Then again, I don't know. My, he looked good in Tampa. When I, when I talk about liking quarterbacks, like what they do at the Power 5 level, yeah. like one of my favorites is Tua. Now, you, he has the injury, so you have to factor that. But just what he did at Alabama, like big moments, like yeah. that to me, just that, that tran- translating what he did there to the NFL is just a lot easier for me to do. So, yeah. and again, I'm not a talent evaluator, and I wouldn't, I'm not saying I'd be a good one, but with Trevor Lawrence, Tua, yeah, yeah, yeah both of those. The, the thing with, with these teams, and I say, I'm talking at, about if I have a top five no, pick. Miss I'm not talking about <laughs> just finding diamonds in the rough here. Okay, I'm talking about I got a top Isaiah five pick. Still seething over here because here's here's the thing, real quick. The, the, and it kind of goes back to the Trey Lance thing. Okay, I get with the 49ers. You know, you can and well, actually, I guess it goes with the Eagles too. Mm-hmm. There's just so much on you when you're on the GM, and they're like, okay, we need a quarterback. We're going to use a high pick. You better get this thing right. And so that's why I'm saying I would lean in that direction because I'm feeling if this doesn't hit, it could be my job, but. I guess the opposite side is is it it isn't the job because it, it's not like it factored in. It didn't hurt John Lynch. It didn't hurt Howie Roseman. They're looked at yeah. as like two of the best. So, um, but for me personally, that's always part of it. Where I'm like, if I swing and miss on this, am I am I done? Is this my only chance I ever got a chance to to run a team? So, um, yeah. So, question. Yeah, they don't have another quarterback on the roster, do they? I mean, they they do. I think it's Brett Ripien. Yeah, it's not anybody significant though. Why? I'm Why do you ask? Because I have a feeling that he's going to be running for his life in yeah. this game. Yeah. And they might want to have somebody on standby. Is it that offensive line that worries you? No, it's just I don't force. I'm I know for a fact there's going to be a huge point of emphasis placed on stopping the run. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Load the okay. box. Yeah. You're going to load it up because you're not threatened by Wilson beating you over the top, especially when you have Gilmore. Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Kilmore. Yeah. It's just, I'm not threatened. I can come up and press you because I still got some dogs even behind them. So I'm going to make it hard on you to throw the ball over the top, and I'm going to allow my boys to get home, and I'm going to stop the run. So being that there's going to be a point of emphasis placed on stopping the run, I, I foresee okay. okay, I foresee the Jets being in a situation where they have to throw themselves back into the game. Okay, whether that be down by 10, whether that be down by 7, whatever that might be, or 40, sure. I don't care. Can we pretend I, that you're Robert Sala right now? And what would you mm, be trying to do right now? If you if, if they literally were like, hey, Robert can't coach this week, we need you to wish coach. Wishbone. Okay. If he was Robert Sala, <laughs> wishbone, I'm trying to I, save his hair as yeah, much as I'm possible. Going, I, I'm going to formation, wishbone, 13 personnel, like – Brian Dable brought out the wishbone. He sure against did. Dallas. He sure did. Yeah. Yeah. He sure did. Thirteen percent first drive yeah. of the year. <laughs> I am coming downhill. Okay. Yeah. Downhill, and I am trying to run all the clock off, all of it. Yeah. Okay. I want. I want nine minute drives. Okay. Even if we end in field goals, I want. You nine think that minute drive. nine minute drives are sustainable against his defense, though? Yeah, they're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to find out. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you can find yourself in. In short, down and distance, third and threes, I mean, anybody can convert those. Yeah. I don't care how much of a threat you feel, you know, your defense might be. Most teams in the NFL can convert third and three. They have enough weapons to do that. I don't care if that's Wilson being in shotgun and being able to get out the pocket, step in and out or whatever, catching us in the stunts that, that, that Dallas likes to run. You can convert some, some short down and distances, which will allow you to move the change, which allows for you to get back into your run, all those things. But Dallas is going to have to take them out of that often and early. Um that's easier said than done, even with their offensive line question marks. They got two dogs at running back, and we know that. Those are, those are two starters on any team. 
The uh, the backup quarterback, by the way, for Zach Wilson is Tim Boyle, the Eastern Kentucky product, and he was on the practice squad last week, so they'll elevate him. Oh, he'll be elevated. He'll they'll be, probably uh, make a move either up. today or tomorrow. They'll, they'll make, probably get they'll pick whether yeah, yeah whether they most likely they'll probably sign a free agent. Who so. do you think they'd go and try and look at? Matt Ryan would be fun. I know people keep saying that. And Carson is, Wentz is out there. Yeah, Bobby Wentz. Is Jacoby Brissett on a roster. Yes. Is he? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would so say that would take a trade. I think I think Wentz probably has is maybe I guess I don't know. I don't even want to say that. I don't like the options there. I'm trying to make a trade for Jameis Winston. Hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would now that would be fun. Now would he start against Dallas in week two? No. Definitely not. No. But if you're gonna make a move, it's it's gonna be something that, that happens down the road. Yeah. All right. Again, we're going to answer your text messages when we come back here on Talking Cowboys. Which unit, both sides of the football, has the biggest step up against the Jets in Week 2? 817-290-3298. Shoot us a text message. We'll talk about it next on Talking Cowboys. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Are you ready to take coffee off your grocery list forever? Black Rifle Coffee Club is here to help. As a coffee club member, you'll get your favorite coffees roasted, packaged, and shipped to your door free of charge on your preferred schedule. Set it, forget it, and never run low on coffee again. Members also get exclusive deals on coffee, products, and discounts from partner brands. Ease your mind and let Black Rifle worry about your coffee supply. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com to join the coffee club today. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at GetJackBlack.com slash Cowboys with the code CowboysVIP. That's GetJack black.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys vip todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable and now todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour but the good news is todd has at&t 5g that is fast reliable and secure and he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew at&t 5g fast reliable secure it's not complicated 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, brought to you by Quaker Oats, super trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome back in alongside Isaiah Stanback, John Machota, Nick Harris, Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans, answering your text messages, 817-290-3298. Time to debate. Which unit has the best step up against the Jets this week? Not necessarily the best. Not who's going to be the best. But who has the best improvement from week one to week two? Isaiah looks like he wants the Tight end group. Boom. Boom. Dang it. 
He's done. I he, am Chaz he's Michael not. Michaels. <laughs> that's what that's what really the majority of the the text messages have said so far. Mario in South Texas said it a second ago. Biggest improvement will be the tight ends. They had limited opportunities because of the flow of the game, but I believe they will be a bigger part in the play action again uh, uh, play action game this Sunday collectively. They were going to combine for over 100 yards and at least one touchdown. Get after him, Mario. I like it. That's right. Yeah, the Hendershot. I mean, that ball oh, right that was there. A ball. That was a touchdown. Um, if he I mean, makes that grab, Dak Prescott's stat line looks exponentially better. Yeah. Um, tight ends is probably number one. I would say production from wide receivers, but at the same time, like going against this Jets defense, I don't know how much you're going to see there. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just I'm going to I'm going to go with. Brandon Aubrey doesn't miss a kick, so that'll be a step up from the first game. I just think uh, I think that was good for him to get that out of the way. That's yeah. good. I, think, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that he just hasn't had a ton of you know opportunities because of preseason. There weren't as many field goal opportunities as I was thinking he was going to get and things like that. So yeah. I think he I think he has a uh, flawless game in, in, in this one, and he wasn't that far off. I mean, outside of that no. miss extra point, I mean, he, he I thought he played well. No, he did play well. Touchbacks, especially, especially when you, I mean, literally are watching a game where you're like, um, Hold your this, they paid money, like decent money for this kicker, mm-hmm. and this team really didn't invest anything in their, and this kicker definitely outplayed that kicker. So Double J approved. He said, "We got ourselves a kicker." I, I will. I will. <laughs> when he missed the PAT, we all collectively in the studio were like. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> like, here we go. I'm sure Jerry was doing the same thing. Yeah. It's one of their last eight PATs that they had converted going back to the Washington game last year oh. at that point. And then he rattled off four straight. So I have, a, I have a visual that, like, That's Will wild. McClay, as soon as that happened, as soon as that shank happened, Will McClay grabbed his phone and Jerry said, Hold on now, Will. <laughs> <laughs> give him a chance. <laughs> let, it's a, it's a long let him cook. If he would have missed one more, push the button. Push the doggone <laughs> button. Call him up. That's funny you say <laughs> that. Crosby. That's funny. Cold. That is funny you say that because I actually think it's the, a complete 180. You think it's opposite? Uh, yeah. I think it's, there you go. Get somebody else ready. And we'll be like, let's just, hold on. Just let's wait. just give them, let's just play this thing out. <laughs> I just don't, I've never gotten the sense that Jerry has much patience for, for kickers. Especially with PATs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with PATs. It's just one of those spots that I think it, it bothers him. You know who Jerry's really attributed it to? It's it's Steven. Like, he's like, oh, this I, is yeah, Steven's yeah. kicker. I think <laughs> right. he said it after their, uh, on he Tuesday. He's like, you know, Steven yeah. found him a guy. You yeah. Know, so. Uh, it's kind of fun that he was able to put that together. He's trying to put put the blame a little bit <laughs> yeah, further right. down the road. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Uh, what do you think? Which which unit sees the biggest improvement? Yeah, so I was going to say tight end group for sure, but yeah. I'll just say pass catching as a whole. Um, statistically, wasn't the you know most impressive group from from Sunday night, but they didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they they still were able to get open and make plays when they needed it. You know, C.D. Lamb on the very first uh, offensive drive, being able to haul in that forty nine yard reception and you know, go down the sideline and, and big parts, Jake Ferguson as well on that play. Uh, but I'm just going to say the passing group as a whole, I think they get a, you know, a hundred yard receiver. I think Brandon cooks gets a lot more involved. Um, you know, you saw him getting involved on third down on some quick slants and stuff. And I, I really loved to see that because they didn't really have that safety net last year. I think that's going to help their third down play a whole lot mm-hmm. uh, just because he's able to create separation so quick off the line. Um, so those third and threes, third and fours are going to be a lot more, you know, manageable with Zeke, not in the backfield. Um, or if you don't want to run Tony, Pollard in those situations you've got Brandon Cooks that can come out and do those things so I'm just gonna say pass pass catching as a whole I think um you know everybody steps up and sees a, a extra extra step one thing on the Cooks on the deep ball where he got he drew the pass interference watching that over on the all 22 another one of those when I tell you about like you know how it just sucks that on the tv copy you can't see all of, all of that 
But where we are with the press box, I didn't notice it either when it happened. But on the L22, it's just amazing how much attention uh, C.D. Lamb draws. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that you would have – he would come across and he would have the corner that's on him. Both safeties got their eyes on him. I think it was a third and 12. And you're putting a six-round rookie corner on Brandon Cook singled up on the outside like that. Man, that's just – there's just – It's uh, rough. It's hard to believe that that's what they wanted in that situation. That is the Giants want. Since you brought up that play, there was a pass protection kind of wrinkle on that play that is going to set up that exact play being able to work out for Jake Ferguson down the line. Uh, I'm talking like a 15, 20-yard gain for Jake Ferguson. He just needs a little bit more time in the pocket. But if you go back and you watch that play, Tyler Biotish from the snap, he, he covers his guy, boom, and then he peels off immediately, and he goes and picks up <laughs> Jake Ferguson's guy off the edge. And Jake kind of chips his guy off the edge and comes out, and he's wide open in the flat, but Dak's already like – like yeah, getting it cooked up to Brandon, and um, but if, if he has a little there. bit, yeah, you like that. Um, but if he has a little bit more time in the pocket, there, he's checking down to to Ferguson. That's a 15, 20 yard gain. But yeah. I thought that was fun. That that entire play, there's a lot of fun things going yeah. on there. I remember it, that play? The uh, a couple of the text messages along the line. Five seven five says, "I hope to see improvement in the run defense over what we saw on the first drive." I think it continuously got better as the game went along, but also they went away from the run. So <laughs> I'm just, let really me just hold on. I, I got like, one. I got one take on this. Uh, yeah. So it's not you know 1975 where you're working on this stuff in practice. So just think of that run defense not playing in the preseason. Mm-hmm. When's the last time a lot of those guys made tackles? Like, made tackles. I'm not talking about uh, little drills on the side, tackling dummies. I'm talking actually Actual made football tackles. tackles. When's the last time before that game? Uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. January so. 16th or whatever that was, 22nd. There's just little things that happen in games where I'm always just like, when's the last time that, that, that they even worked on that? There were just there were certain plays where I remember when Cooper Rush stepped in as, as the starting quarterback and he was just getting rocked and, like, hanging on the ball. And, like, I remember asking him after the game, like, how would you even practice that? Because you're not even getting the one snaps. Yeah. No one's hitting you. You know, like, it just it has to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I think of the Aaron Rodgers play uh, when Jeff Heath just smokes him from behind in that playoff game in 2016. Should have knocked the ball loose, and somehow he hangs on to it. It's like, there's no practicing that. And so with the defense, where, where, where are they working on that? The, the thudding up that they're doing in, in training camp? I mean, that helps, but for it to just all of a sudden, boom, week one, going against a team and you're just going to be flawless right from the first snap when you haven't really been tackling anybody to the ground and 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 playing together as a run defense since the san francisco game i mean i think that they deserve a little bit of a pass for the way that game started yeah do you do you think about this one says this is from the 813 it says dak prescott do you think dak needs to see an uptick i i mean the, the stat line wasn't pretty, but there were multiple opportunities, and we've talked about it already. There were four drops in the game, mm-hmm. and if those four drops are converted into catches. actual catches, it's, what is that, 17 of 24 passing for 200-plus yards and a, at least one touchdown, the Peyton Hinder shot? I mean, it's a different stat line. How did you, as a quarterback, when you looked at Dak's play in Week 1, how did you feel like it looked? He looked, he looked fine for the most part. I mean, there wasn't too much to dissect. Uh, there was a couple of throws in there that I, I know he would have liked to have had better location of. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, he threw some doggone good balls. Yeah, he did. He threw some really good balls. The guys just got to catch it. I mean, conditions were conditions. You know, guys had wrong equipment on, all that jazz. 
end of the day, you know, you got to find a way to make those plays. But they were the running back this week. I, I believe it was the first touchdown drive, and I thought of you when it happened because we talked about ball location so much during it's training close, camp. wasn't it? It was the uh, it was a gallop slant, yep. and he would have had a twenty yard gain, but he put it on his back shoulder. He kind of had to fall into it. Yep. It was still a first down, like it yep. was it was a yep. completion for a first down. But it, it, that we've talked about that a yep. lot, being able to put it where he can take it and go. Yep. That that it was not executed then, but then he came back. Four, three or four plays later on okay. that CD just threaded the needle yep. and got it right to CD where he needed it. Yep. That was the best throw he had all night. Yeah, it was interesting. Some of the better throws that Dak had ended up being incompletions. <laughs> yes, Some of the true. best throws or the worst throws that he had all night ended up being completions. Yeah. It was it was kind of backwards. That Peyton Hendershot throw was about as good as it could get. I mean, yeah. he put it on it, his helmet that's the in the middle of night. three yeah, defenders shoulder. on the goal line, put it up there, and Hendershot saw it the whole way, elevated, was there to make the play, and then just couldn't hold on. And that one, that one was rough. That was a phenomenal throw. Yeah. Uh, but – I thought one thing that he did say, or that one of these text messages said, Bob, uh, or excuse me, four, it's from the four three four. He said Dak got the ball out quicker, and that was significant. I, I mean, you could see that from the opening drive. He was able to get it going and get it out quicker. That's the yeah, West Coast offense. That's what this yep. offense is going to be all season, so yeah. get used to that. I liked it. <laughs> yep. I liked it. We'll preview the offense tomorrow because that's probably the more intriguing matchup now that Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the fold. It's that Cowboys offense against a very, very good Jets defense. And we'll hit the film tonight. We'll continue to get it ready for it in the morning. And we'll get started at 9 a.m. Central Time. We've got Cowboys Storyline coming up here in a couple moments with Nick Eatman. Get your calls ready at 888-855-2297 and your text at 817-290-3298. That's one way to end the show. For Isaiah Stanback, for John Machota, Nick Harris, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from Talking Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow morning. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!